Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today, which means that you'll hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson, and it's August 28th. Emmett Till was murdered on this day in 1955. He had just turned 14. Emmett was visiting his cousins outside of Money, Mississippi. He had been living with his mother in Chicago, Illinois. And on August 24th, Emmett and his cousins drove into Money because they wanted to buy some gum and candy at Bryant's grocery store. Witnesses, including Emmett's cousins, say that while he was in the store, he whistled at Carolyn Bryant, who was the proprietor's wife. She was working at the store that day. His mother thought that he might have whistled because that was a trick that he had learned to cope with his stutter. If he was having trouble getting his words out, he would whistle, and that would help. His cousins thought that maybe Emmett was trying to impress them. Carolyn, though, told her husband Roy that Emmett had been lewd with her, that he had menaced her, that he had grabbed her. So Roy Bryant and his brother-in-law, J.W. Milam, showed up at the home of Emmett's uncle, Mose Wright, where he was staying at about 2.30 in the morning on August 28th. Mose Wright and his wife, Lizzie, both tried to persuade these men not to take Emmett away from them. They even offered to pay them. But the men were armed and they would not be dissuaded. None of his family ever saw Emmett alive again. And his mother got the call that two white men had taken Emmett away from his uncle's house at about 9.30 in the morning on August 28th. She and the rest of the family were obviously distraught. They tried to work with authorities in both Illinois and Mississippi to find her son, but a fisherman found his body in the Tallahatchie River on August 31st. He had been tortured, he had probably been shot, and his body was weighed down with a fan from a cotton gin. Authorities in Mississippi tried to rush through a funeral for him, but his mother refused to allow it. She demanded that he be returned to Chicago. And then once he was there, she made the brave decision to share photographs of his body in two publications that had a predominantly Black readership. They were the Chicago Defender and Jet Magazine. In her words, she wanted to, quote, let the world see what I've seen. Those pictures... And the thousands of people who attended Emmett's funeral on September 3rd helped reinvigorate the civil rights movement. Although Roy Bryant and J.W. Milam were indicted for murder, and everyone knew that they had done it, they had basically bragged about it, a jury returned a not guilty verdict on September 23rd of 1955. They later gave interviews where they admitted and even bragged about having done this. In 2017, Carolyn Bryant, now Carolyn Bryant Dunham, admitted that her allegations that Emmett had been threatening and crude to her had been false. And today, Emmett Till's casket is in the collection of the National Museum of African American History and Culture. The photos of his body have been named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential Pictures of All Time. And his mother spent a lot of the rest of her life trying to make sure that his death would have some kind of meaning. When talking about that effort, she said, quote, if it can further the cause of freedom, then I will say that he died a hero. In March of 2018, the United States Department of Justice stated in a report to Congress that it was reopening the investigation into Emmett Till's murder 63 years after it happened, citing, quote, the discovery of new information. This made headlines in July of 2018. 
It's not clear as of when I'm recording this exactly what that new information is, although there's been a lot of speculation that it's the admission of Carolyn Bryant Dunham that she lied about Emmett's behavior in the grocery store that day. You can learn more about Emmett Till and about his mother's lifelong work to make meaning out of his death in the August 28, 2017 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class called The Motherhood of Mamie Till Mobley. Thanks to Tari Harrison for her audio work on this podcast, and you can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get podcasts. Tomorrow, we will have a landmark moment in the movement for gay rights. Welcome to This Day in History class, where history waits for no one. The day was August 28, 1859. Astronomers began noticing sunspot clusters and auroras began appearing in the sky. Electric currents charged through telegraph systems around the world. Sunspots are darker, cooler spots that appear on the sun's surface that are caused by interactions with the sun's magnetic field. Solar flares and coronal mass ejections usually originate from the magnetically active areas around sunspots. A coronal mass ejection happens when a cloud of energetic and highly magnetized plaza is ejected from the sun, which can cause radio and magnetic disturbances on Earth. Coronal mass ejections that struck Earth's magnetosphere led to one of the largest geomagnetic storms on record. On September 1st, amateur astronomer Richard Carrington went into his private observatory on his estate outside of London. He turned his telescope toward the sun and noticed a group of sunspots, and he drew a picture of the sunspots. At 11.18 in the morning, he saw a white light flash at two places in the sunspot group. He later wrote this in a paper published in the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. My first impression was that, by some chance, a ray of light had penetrated a hole in the screen attached to the object glass, by which the general image is thrown into shade, for the brilliancy was fully equal to that of direct sunlight. That same day, amateur astronomer Richard Hodgson also observed a large sunspot group and white light flare. The sun activity faded away after a few minutes. But about 17 hours after Carrington observed the flash, auroras lit up the sky around the world, as far south as Panama. People woke up late at night, thinking the sun had risen. The sky looked blood red in some places. Telegraph systems failed, and there were reports that sparks from telegraph machines shocked operators and set papers on fire. Telegraph poles and receiving stations also reportedly caught on fire. Some operators found that they could transmit messages without battery power, only using auroral current. The auroral displays that appeared on September 2nd and 3rd happened only several months from the peak of the sunspot cycle. The number of sunspots and other signs of solar magnetic activity fluctuate over an 11-year cycle. At the time, scientists did not understand how auroras work. Some guessed that the auroras were caused by falling debris from active volcanoes or by reflections from icebergs. 
but many thought that the displays were a sign of a disaster that was about to happen or a message from God. Even though Carrington advised against linking the flare he had seen to the events that followed, but since then, it has been determined that auroral displays are the result of solar winds that cause disturbances in the magnetosphere. The geomagnetic storm that occurred in 1859, also known as the Carrington event today, was one of the biggest solar storms ever recorded. The sun had sent off two coronal mass ejections that reached Earth. Based on ice core samples, it was the biggest solar storm in the last 500 years. It has been estimated that the solar storm cost the global telegraph system around $300,000, plus other costs related to businesses, stock markets, and individual families. Usually, these solar storms do not hit Earth. But if a geomagnetic storm like the 1859 one happened today, damages would be more extensive and costs would be a lot higher. Similar but less severe geomagnetic storms have hit Earth since the 1859 event. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Get more notes from history on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. We'll be back with more history tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.